Well, hello, I'm Mark Wormel, and I'm the senior minister here. Um, and it's lovely to be here with you tonight. This is actually my favourite service of the year. Um, I don't know whether it's because it's in the evening and normally we meet in the morning, but I think it's probably more likely because it just seems so real that God came to earth as Jesus. It's a wonderful story, but it's also a wonderful truth that the God who created the universe, billions and billions and billions of stars and planets and everything else, would come to earth to dwell with us, to be with us, to live as one of us. Well, it is the night before Christmas. Just over 2,000 years ago, a young woman from the village of Nazareth was pregnant. The human life we know as Jesus was already alive, protected within the womb of Mary. Mary was betrothed to a tradie called Joseph, but he was not the father. Mary had been visited by the angel Gabriel, who had told her that she had found favour with God. And she would give birth to a son, and she was to call him Jesus, Yeshua, which means our God saves. The angel told Mary she could expect great things from her son, and Jesus has done great things. And Gabriel said he would be called the Son of the Most High, and there is only one Most High. And he is God. So Jesus would be called the Son of God. And Jesus is and will forever be called the Son of the Most High, the Son of God himself. The angel Gabriel added that the Lord God would give Jesus the throne of his forefather, King David, and Jesus would reign forever, and his kingdom would never end. And Jesus does reign and his kingdom will never end. We've had two Bible readings, and I'm going to focus on the first because it helps us understand what was expected of Mary's birth. We'll look at the second in the morning. Tonight we meet Zechariah, the husband of Mary's cousin Elizabeth. Before the birth that we celebrate tonight, Zechariah already knew something about this new life. He also knew something about his own son, John, who we call John the Baptist. He knew John would do great things, but he starts his song by speaking of Jesus. Because Jesus would do greater things. John would only point to Jesus' greatness. But Zechariah wants us to know the greatness of Jesus. Although Jesus had not yet been born, Zechariah did not say that Jesus would come and he would redeem his people. He said the Lord, the God of Israel, had come and had redeemed his people. Zechariah was not referring to God's great act 1,200 years before of saving Israel out of slavery in Egypt or any other act of temporary salvation God had performed on Israel over the last 1,800 years or so. In the baby carried within Mary's womb, 
he knew the Saviour had already come. And that therefore salvation was assured. Zechariah knew the fragility of life. Childbirth was risky. It is today. It was even more so then. Infant mortality was high. Many newborn babies didn't get to five, perhaps 50%. But Zechariah didn't say, if this baby survived, God may save his people through him. He said he had already saved his people. When God says something, it happens. When God said, let there be light, there was light. When God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, that's what happened. He made the first humans and every human since then in his image. For God to speak is for God to act. There is no doubt or delay. For God to say through his angel that Mary would conceive as good was as good as Mary being pregnant. No delays, no false starts, no pregnancy tests, no reason for anxiety. For God to speak is for God to act. For God to promise a thousand years before to King David that in David's line there would be a saving king who would rule forever. And for God to identify Mary's child as that saving king was as good as those things having happened. It was only a question of timing. Therefore, we have no doubt about who Zechariah is speaking when he is filled with the Holy Spirit of God and says, Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. That is, he has come in the form of Jesus. And he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David as he said through his holy prophets a long time ago. Zechariah knew the angel Gabriel had visited Mary, and he knew that his wife Elizabeth had said to Mary, Blessed are you, Mary, among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And Zechariah knew that Elizabeth had called Mary the mother of the Lord. To be redeemed means to be bought out of slavery. 1,200 years before, God had redeemed Israel out of slavery in Egypt. Now God had bought his people out of slavery by sending his son into the world. Although the payment would not be made fully for another 37 years or so, when Jesus died for our sins on a cross, <coughs> excuse me, just outside Jerusalem, to buy us out of slavery to sin, it was already as good as done. Some of us may not be familiar with the term horn of salvation. We don't refer to the three fast bowlers of the Australian cricket team as the horn of destruction, but we could. Because horn here is a word that embodies the sense of a fighting animal, active, effective power taking wickets before you, oh, taking salvation before you, destroying the enemies. So this unborn baby embodied God's mighty power of salvation. 
and for him to be alive in his mother's womb was as good as having him having already saved the world because there be, could be no doubt that that is what he would do. Zechariah says God's saving power would save them from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. And I guess we need to ask, who are these enemies and who is being saved? Zechariah probably had it in mind uh, that this was some sense of local political salvation from the oppressive Roman occupation. But he also had a much greater sense of the salvation that would come through Jesus. For he says, this salvation will result in God showing mercy to our ancestors and God remembering his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham. And, and let's remember what that oath was. There were several promises made to Abraham relating to his descendants and his stature in the world history and, and the promised land. But the most relevant for this passage is his promise that he spoke to Abraham. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. It's as simple as that. That was God's promise to Abraham. And remember, for God to speak is for God to act. For God to make a promise is for God to keep that promise. All the peoples of the earth have been blessed through the descendant of Abraham, a descendant of King David. This descendant, descendant is the child who would be born on this night. For Jesus could trace his earthly line back to David and Abraham. But unlike all the other Jews, Jesus alone was the son of the Most High God, whose role as God's instrument of salvation had been confirmed by the angel Gabriel and was now being confirmed by Zechariah, speaking God's words by the power of the Holy Spirit. God's holy covenant was made with Abraham, but its beneficiaries would be every person on earth, including each one of us here tonight. Each one of us is bound up in that promise that promise that is being kept. This horn of salvation, this Jesus, would rescue us from the hands of our enemies. Our enemies are no different from the enemies of Zechariah and the people that he spoke to back then. An enemy is someone who seeks our destruction. And these enemies are Satan and any of his agents that will lead us away from our saving, merciful God. Enemies like vanity and greed and self-interest, enemies like anger and pride. Any form of sin is our enemy because it destroys us. Zechariah knew this horn of salvation would rescue us from sin. He probably couldn't put together the promises in the Old Testament that this saving king would enter Jerusalem on a donkey or be cursed by being hung on a, tr uh, a tree or a cross. The means of Jesus achieving our save salvation were yet indistinct to Zechariah, but the certainty of God's victory over our enemies was assured. 
And then Zechariah says something that may be even more important. Yes, this Saviour will rescue us from the hands of our enemies, but the next line is that his rescue will enable us to serve him without fear. And we live in a world that is full of fearful things. And most of us have our fears. And yet Jesus coming to live with us means that we have no reason for that fear to overtake us. God tells us our salvation is not an end in itself. It is not so we can sit back and say, I don't have to worry about anything or anyone else or anything that's going on in the world. I'm, I'm saved. We're rescued so that we may serve Jesus. We are saved for a purpose. And let's remind ourselves how Jesus defines service, how he defines obedience. The teacher of the law asked Jesus, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbour as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments, said Jesus, the saviour of the world. Zechariah says we are to serve Jesus without fear because the horn of salvation will protect us from our enemies. The fear Zechariah speaks of and Jesus spoke of many times is the paralysing fear that stops us from doing anything. Not apprehension, because we have functioning brains, but something that stops us, stops us doing what we know we should do. And we are to serve in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. We are to love today and every day, next year, and for the rest of our lives. We are to honour God and seek the good of others with passionate sacrificial action. We can do this. That's the thing. We can do this because Jesus' death for us makes us holy so we can serve him in holiness. And Jesus sees, and God sees Jesus' righteousness in us. For all our ability to see our own shortcomings and failings, when God looks at us and we say that our trust is in Jesus, he sees Jesus. He sees his righteousness. He says, you're right with me. Let me help you live a good life today and for the rest of your life. I hope you're glad we paused tonight on this song of Zechariah before we burst in on the birth of Jesus in the morning. God put this song here for a purpose and it is for us to see who Zechariah expected a new Jesus would be. Because my guess is that Jesus being God's son, come down from heaven to live among us, is not new to you. You've heard this many times before. And I'm sure that most of you have heard before that Jesus came to save the world. The challenge is believing it and living it day by day. Zechariah shows us what faith and confidence in God are. 
And he shows us that, uh, that for God to speak is for God to act. This is the God we can and should trust. Zechariah shows us how and why we can have this faith. Because God keeps his promises. Knowing Jesus is its own reward. He is full of wonder and delight. But because he saved us to serve him by loving others, we can be confident that no act of love that we do will ever go unrecognised or unrewarded by God. Now, a few brief words about John. A few words because that is what John would have wanted. He was a modest man. As Zechariah says, his son John was to be a prophet of God going before Jesus to prepare the way for him. John's role would be to speak so that the people gained knowledge of our salvation. God acts through words, including the words of people like John. These people were changed by God's words spoken by his prophet John. They were changed from seekers to people who knew they were saved through the forgiveness of their sins. God's words lived out in the life and death of Jesus would change them forever. Just as I am sure that you are changed by the words of God to have faith and to live as Jesus allows us to live. Zechariah said, this was all because of the tender mercy of our God by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet in the path of peace. What a, a beautiful description of God's love for us in Jesus. God is tender and full of mercy and he pours out that mercy on us in Jesus. I hope this evening you felt the sun rising on us from heaven. This sun, this love radiates out from that manger. This love embodied in the one who came down from earth to earth from heaven, who is God and Lord of all. And his shelter was a stable and his cradle was a stall. The one who came in peace would guide us in ways of peace. As you've seen, the song of Zechariah is mostly about Jesus. Zechariah's confidence in what God had already irrevocably <coughs> excuse me, set in train in his promise way back to Abraham and David and in his promise to Mary. So tonight, let's enjoy the sheer pleasure of seeing God in his promises and in his promises kept in this baby. Let's fall on our knees and worship him forever. And let us draw on the joy that we have in knowing that God always keeps his promises and serve him not out of any obligation <coughs> but out of love seeking the good he seeks for the people of Glebe and beyond. God expects great things from us next year because that is part of what he has come to save us for. And just remember, 
that when God speaks, he acts. There's no delay. He has spoken and is acting through us now. Let's now stand and sing of the redeeming grace that was born on that silent night. <laughs>